0: Thanks for joining us for episode three of That's Deep with Eden and Jess. Um, we will be doing a little reflecting on and intro to this third episode with our friend Chris Rogowski, who...
1: Yeah, Chris Rogowski is a photojournalist uh, who resides in Green Bay, Wisconsin. He, his company is... Chicken or the egg photography. Uh, super talented photojournalist, um, super insightful guest. Uh, in his bio, he talks about being interested in philosophy and reading and writing about it and discussing it. And we learned a lot about who he is and his journey. Mm-hmm. And I think that we'll we'll kind of reflect on the different components that we covered there.
0: Yeah, yes, yeah. So um, we got into a lot of really, it's going to almost sound cliche, I I think eventually, but we did. We got into a lot of really deep places, um, talking about his journey into freelance, talking about um, his relationship with his father, um, having worked for his father and then moving into that that freelance space, um, sobriety, stoicism. So there's a lot of, as, uh, as Eden said, uh, references to to Stoics. And so I think in the show notes we'll will um, list out the different things that he, the different people that he brings up, the different ideas that he brings up. Um, His photography journey. So.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a man talking about and being vulnerable and real and authentic, talking about life experience and journey and growth. One thing I admire deeply about Chris is his ability to share positive, negative, and in-between. Yeah. Open, vulnerable conversation about feelings and emotions and struggles and challenges.
0: He mentions in the episode that he is who he is on social media is who he is yeah. in real life. Um, which is huge. Uh, and something that I also really appreciate and um, try to be as well. It was a it was a really awesome episode. Like it was really. He felt good about it. We felt good about it. And upon listening back to the recording, um, there were so many strong moments of here's a suggestion of what you can do. Here's what my routine looks like. Mm -hmm. Here are the habits that um, that I have implemented in my life to be in that more empowered space. He talks about his struggle with mental health, um, with his struggle with suicide. And um, one of the things that we'll also include in the show notes is that our um, resources for people that other people that may be struggling as well.
1: Yeah, it gets deep around uh, mental wellness. It gets deep around relationship it's deep around mindset stuff. He does it in a way that he's describing what works for him and what doesn't work for him.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. He's not suggesting this is the only way to do it. Or if you did, if you just did this thing, then you're good. And I think that's what makes it uh, when I listened back to it real and authentic for me and
0: and powerful. Yeah, Yeah. If you can share, which he does share your story in a way that isn't preachy, but that is just like, this is what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. There is, there's so much to unpack that I don't even, I'm not Share even one.
1: sure. Share one. What's your cool. key takeaway? Just What's one thing you're still maybe that you mm-hmm. learned or that you're wanting to learn more about or that he introduced you to? that is now on your reading list or something that you want to know about um, sure so,
0: oh, thanks for you know lofting me that easy um that easy pitch uh i he did talk about marcus aurelius who is a stoic philosopher and king way way I would say back in the day right like it's the 1950s or something but like way way back and uh um and so he talks about we we talk about the book meditations Mm -hmm. which again I haven't uh in the episode I talk about this I'm only very very into the, the beginning of it but we talk about that space of this is a this is a person that didn't want to be king that took on that role. And part of the reason I think that he didn't want to be king is because he he wanted to live his beliefs, but it was difficult for him to actually live his beliefs as a king because of the culture of that time. There were certain things that you had to do. There are certain things that were expected that you couldn't maybe operate as
3: an authentic philosopher of stoicism and be a
0: a king who conquered and engaged in war and all of this kind of thing. So um, kind of talking about that, our, just the inherent contradictory, contradictions within our humanity. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that was, that was a really powerful moment for, for me. Um, I think so often we we can feel it almost was a, a a nice transition from our second episode on imposter syndrome into this this third episode on empowered mindset where part of being empowered in your mind is recognizing where some of those limitations are to being
3: authentic mm-hmm.
0: That was, that
1: was key, I mm-hmm. think, for me. Uh, a man that's okay communicating emotion and feeling is what stands up for me. I'm an advocate when it comes to mental health and mental wellness and men's mental wellness. See some gaps in, in current state. And we need more people, more humans, more men like Chris, to share their story, Mm -hmm. to make it safe to talk about, to to say it's okay to struggle. This is what struggle feels like. This is what struggling feels like. Here's what I'm doing to change or address or to improve or to get better.
0: Mm -hmm. And to make it safe to be emotional and to be vulnerable. He is an excellent example of that. And I know that I'll be going back and listening to the episode again um, because there's a lot to pull. There's a lot to learn from it.
1: Stoicism means what? (laughs) Have we figured that out yet? It means different things to different people. It's not a one-size-fits-all. He talks about things that he understands and likes about it and practices it he also talks about maybe tweaks or a personal approach or combining it with other philosophies or practices
0: Mm -hmm. one of the things that we landed on there was this idea of stoicism bringing reason to emotion um which i'm not i'm not even entirely sure i've fully unpacked that myself Mm -hmm. Um, but it sounds nice (laughs) Um, to be able to be emotional, but to bring harmony between that reason, between logic and emotion. So we're not just operating from place of emotion. The other thing about Stoicism is focusing on what you can control and not being affected or overly affected by things outside of your control. Mm. I think that's, I think that's huge. For many of us, especially those of us that are interested in making big changes in our communities and in the world around us, we can often maybe take on a little bit too much of that um, weight around how can we change big things that are outside of our control or how can we deal with emotionally things that are outside Mm -hmm. of our control? But if we focus in, perhaps if we focus in on those things that are within our control, then whatever is outside of that, may naturally follow. And I think it all just starts with being an example, being an example of a person that's okay, being a person, Mm -hmm. right? Being an example of somebody that is okay, being emotional, being vulnerable, being vulnerable, being contradictory at times, um, so that other people also feel safe and comfortable being in that space and sharing who they are, or who they think they are in that moment,
1: or who they want to be. Yes. And what that looks like. Yeah. And what the daily practice of that looks like or could look like.
3: Mm-hmm. Oh.
0: Yeah. He mentions in there a few times, and this is something that I think that we'll work on over time. He mentions things that are um, outside the view of the camera and certainly even with the camera uh, there outside of the view of those that may just be listening to this. So he makes mention of um, the fireplace that's in the room. He mentions the the different objects on there. He's obviously a very visual person um, and so addressing the the um, way that we have the fireplace set up. So I did want to um, speak to some of those items. One being a drawing that some friends of my husband's sisters did, a friend of my husband's sisters did a drawing of Mike's dad who passed away in 2010. Um, So there is that drawing. On the fireplace, something else of great importance is, and I haven't talked about this at all on this show, (laughs) um, is the urns to our, um, that we have, you know, like ashes of mine and Mike's uh, babies who passed in 2014. Um, it was 23 weeks pregnant when they passed, and so we have these heart-shaped um, metal urns that are on that are on the fireplace. So those are two things of importance, and I and I share that. Because in the episode, Chris does speak a lot about death Mm
2: -hmm. and
0: in a, in a good way, (laughs) right? Like in the sort of accept that this is going to happen, right? That we are going to die. And that is why it's so important to live a empowered, meaningful, impactful life. Um, so I did want to share that and I'll, you know, share more on, on that at a later time. (laughs) But now it just feels kind of awkward (laughs) because I haven't mentioned it before. Um, but there we are. Mm
1: -hmm. Empowered mindset stuff that you're doing. Yeah. We talked a little bit about that. Do we have a A short overview of what it is and the work that you're leading and what that will be.
0: Yes. So empowered mindset workshops are all around seven basic habits that anyone, just about anyone can bring into their lives, you know, barring the inability to see or the inability to walk, but there's still other things that you can do in space of those. Um, But the seven basic habits are nasal breathing, walking, journaling, getting sunlight, social connection,
3: sleep,
0: sleep, meditation, rest, and water. So those um, I talk about in, workshops, and why they're important, what chemicals are released in the brain when we engage in these activities, and how those help our whole body health. And when I talk about Uh whole body health, there's really no disconnect, even though we talk about it in a disconnected way between brain and body, it's whole body health.
1: And you have control over those things and you can practice those things yes and those are things that are in your control that will help you feel better if you can establish routine and habit and yeah. practice around that i view it kind of as foundational fundamental to mm-hmm. whole body wellness and i think that speaks to a lot of what chris was talking about yeah you control this i control this There's, mm-hmm. uh, i can get myself out of this yeah um, with healthy habits and a support network
0: yeah making that making that decision to say okay i'm in a space that i don't want to be how can i change that yeah so that is what our episode three is all about with chris Rogowski. Uh, we hope that you enjoy, and thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Thanks, so. all. Hello, welcome to That's Deep with Eden and Just. Today, we have Chris Bregowski with us. He is a freelance photographer and also a musician, and you have just gone freelance in the last year, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. so full-time freelance, which is awesome, awesome photographer, and um, we're happy to have you here. Well, thank you,
2: thanks for being here, yeah.
0: So maybe we'll start with um, just... I guess that transition from what was your previous job or or career, and to how you decided to go rogue.
4: <laughs> go rogue! I like that. Maybe uh, get a gray streak in my hair too. But anyways, X Men references. What I was a software engineer for seventeen years. Uh, software engineer slash jack of all trades i worked for my father and he kind of taught me everything i needed to know but i didn't know it at the time Mm
2: -hmm.
4: which is kind of weird when i think about it because you know your dad's supposed to teach you things but not everything that i got to learn from him and i got paid to do it that was the best part Mm -hmm. and he never fired me which was even better i was a horrible employee I was just bad. I was terrible. I showed up, but I didn't know how to code. I didn't know how to do any of that stuff. My boss had to fix all my problems almost every time I coded. It was kind of funny. Now looking back to me, at least to her, it's certainly <laughs> you weren't trying to get fired. You were not. No, I, I was no. not trying to get fired. I'm just, I'm surprised he didn't give me the the knife a little sooner, but yeah. He never actually fired me, but anyways. So then it fast forward to uh, the December before the pandemic happened and we got in this huge fight over something and I thought I was right and he knew he was right. And he, he turned to me and he said, you're a fraud, you're a fake, you're not a photographer, You're not a musician. You work for me. And I was like, what did you just say? And that was really like, that was the thing that hit home because I was like, wow, you're right. I am a fake. I am a fraud. And yes, I play music on the side. But that doesn't mean I'm a musician. It's a side hustle. That's a hobby. The photography was a side hustle. That was a hobby. So he told me to do something big. At the same time, Melanie's job was uh, ending. And she had like 400 plus hours of uh, PTO to use.
0: And Melanie is? My girlfriend. Okay. I'm just I didn't know how you, yeah.
4: how you
0: refer to her. Yeah.
4: So she's like, it, her boss told her she's got to use it or lose it. And she's like, well, I'm not going to lose out on all that PTO, right? That would be nuts. So she's looking at all these trips, worldwide trips and all this stuff. A little did I know that she was doing that at the same time that I got in this huge argument with my father. And within the next week, she's like, Chris, you've got three choices. We're going to India, China, or um, Ecuador, And I was like, well, let's just pick a stick, I suppose. Find one. I don't know if I want to go to China right now because this was when the pandemic first started making its rumbles. China had closed its borders. So at that point we were like, all right, well, we're definitely not going to China. Woo-hoo. Which was fine. So we decided to go to India. And I, I remember walking into my dad's office and I said... All right. So you told me to do something big. Yeah, I need 18 days off. I'm going to India. That's not what I meant. I didn't mean like that big. And I went, what did you mean? Well, I don't know what I meant. Just not that. And um, yeah, it kind of like it snowballed from there. Just I went to India with Melanie, who pretty much funded the whole trip because I couldn't afford it at the time. And India was like my first venture to try to pretend like I was a National Geographic photographer or a journalist of sorts. And I I I acted on the whole trip like I was a journalist,
5: mm-hmm.
2: just
4: documenting everything. And then when we got back, I uh, I I, st- I was still working for my dad, but about three months after, well, no, the pandemic hit. And I worked for him for the next year ish, year and a half, no, the next year, because then I put I put a, a message on the glass door that was the meeting room and I said, we need to talk. And he didn't he didn't have to say anything. All he did was come in the room and he said, all right, when's your last day? He knew he knew I was done and it was just kind of like any he, he was super encouraging like I, I know I just painted him to be a real asshole can I swear on this by the way yeah okay but he wasn't at all ever an asshole about it he was like the most honest person you could have been about it and I tell people like my dad called me a fraud and a fake and they're like what what a jerk and I'm like no you have to like the context mm. is
1: missing how were you feeling at the time like it sounds like you've accepted it and had some time to reflect on it yeah well there were probably feelings and emotions at the time or did you know that he was coming from a place of it's a good question because
4: at the time i was pissed yeah i i will fully admit i cried a lot on that day at work in my office to myself just like bawling tears going what the fuck just happened because my dad has never he just doesn't have a mean mean bone in his body I've never heard him say anything mean like that and then like he just finally got fed up with me
2: Mm -hmm.
4: you know so he fired me without firing me Mm -hmm. and then the pandemic hit and then he's like well I'm not going to let you go in these circumstances but here's the fact. Like when the pandemic hit, like truly hit and they shut down Wisconsin and all these other places, he said, "You can show up or you can stay home. I don't care what you do, but if you're staying home, don't come back because there's really no point in coming back. So I, I, I stuck it through as long as I could. because I wanted to be there. I wanted to help him. It was in parents. I felt terrible. I felt terrible, but terrible about even wanting to do my own thing. Mm-hmm. He knew I wanted to, but you know, I was his son and I was definitely not the golden child by any means, but I was the one helping the business grow and I felt this sense of like if I don't stay he's going to fail. Which now looking back is a little arrogant to think, not a little a lot arrogant to think. But he's more busy now than he was when I was working for him because he's got the op, uh, he's got the opportunity and the options to do so. Before he had to worry about my schedule, you know. So mm-hmm. I see it from his point of view now. Yeah. As running my own business, I'm yeah. like, dude, you got to show up or just show up or throw up because whatever. I just came up with that phrase. I got to remember that.
1: That's a lot. That's absurd.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have
1: it forever. That guilt is heavy to feel. It really was. Yeah, yeah, around that. um, That being the driving force, or a reason, or a motivation that you continue to show up. Yeah, yeah. Well, and like
4: he knew. I had I had talked to him for years about quitting. Yeah. So this was nothing new. This was definitely like it was. He knew it was going to happen. He just didn't know when it was going to happen. And I think it all stemmed upon me just making a decision, which, you know, if you can't make a decision, talk to my dad. He'll give you every line in the book about decision-making, and then he'll tell you things you don't want to hear that you have to hear. Mm
2: -hmm.
4: That's the way I see it now, Mm -hmm. you know, but... Shortly after we got in that argument, I listened to this one podcast from a, a woman named Lisa Nichols. And the one line that I remember from, from her from everything was, the best gifts are wrapped in sandpaper. And I didn't know it at the time. That's what That's what it meant. But I was like, damn, that was sandpaper. That was one of the best gifts I ever got. Mm-hmm. And I needed it. I needed that dose of reality. So it's that you.
1: Yeah, I for think. sure. For sure. Thank you. Uh, so you're back from India. Mm-hmm. You played journalist. Yeah. Um, take us through kind of the the next steps there.
3: The next steps after India were, I keep going back to the pandemic, but it happened. So I
4: can't avoid that fact. The pandemic really gave me a chance to focus on growing my business, because while everyone else was complaining about how, oh my God, I don't have uh, clients and I don't have customers and all this and da 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 da, I'm like, well neither do I. I just lost out on every single gig that I had planned this year. Poof, gone in an instant. And, but you know, it wasn't a selfish thing because everyone had that happen. So rather than let the lemons get moldy, I made lemonade out of it because I had to. I was still getting a paycheck from my dad. Even though he was suffering and I knew he was because there was no business to be had, even for him. Um, he couldn't deliver any of the stuff that, that we had to deliver. So we did a lot of cleaning. We did a lot of fixing things you know just stuff like that and you know if the government did one thing right it was give the ppp loans Mm -hmm. that got him through to a point where he could at least begin to deliver some of the stuff that he had to get easily a half a million in inventory that we had to deliver out Mm -hmm. to to these museums and such that we were working with so when you think about it like that, it blows your mind. About it's not just
3: person A who needs it; it's the businesses who need it. And I'm kind of going off on a different <laughs> tangent here, but anyway, so so kind of circling back. I, I
4: I I got into this idea of motivational awareness. And I just started listening to a bunch of stuff because I knew I needed change. I knew I needed to just wake up, and I needed to be like, "Come on, you stupid fuck! Just do it." Yeah. So the 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 motivational awareness to me
3: exacerbated—is that the word? Exacerbated? Whatever. Enhanced. Enhanced the
4: the drive to want to do this.
2: Ooh. Yeah,
4: because before, like you know, I used to go back to my dad. He used to give me Tony Robbins tapes. I'm like Tony Robbins is great if you're into that.
2: <laughs>
4: okay, but I'm not into that. so far. <laughs> Every kid only to right. right, right, exactly. <laughs> I was like, and everything became the same. Literally, when you listen to a one motivational tape, it's the same as another, and as another as another, and the messages are the same throughout everything, no matter what you do. It's about discipline. It's -hmm. about expectation.
3: Business is managing expectations and being disciplined. That's literally what it is. If you can't do that, you shouldn't work for yourself. Mm -hmm.
4: That's just my take, at least. So I spent the remainder of 2021... Uh, growing my knowledge base to what I needed it to be so that I could effectively leave on a good term from my own personal mindset. Because mm-hmm. I was ready to leave years ago, but I would be working at a retail store, making shit money, being one of those people who complains about, I need $15 an hour and it's not enough now because... That's the mindset that I would have gotten into, I I think at least, because I was in such a bad mental place then. I I would have taken a huge pay cut just to to get out of that job because I didn't want to be there.
0: So what, um, I guess, how did you decide? Was it kind of just deciding, okay, I need to get out of this headspace. What can I find? That can help inspire me to start with that, Um, because I'm always interested in how we, who have been in those difficult places um, mentally and maybe even you know with job stuff or even with personal stuff, um, where the switch flips to where you're just like, okay, now is the time for me to make some better decisions for my life or make some different decisions for my life and really take control and
4: so when when did the switch
0: when did that switch flip for you
4: december 9th 2019 that's when we got in that big fight
0: yeah okay
4: that's when it
0: the sandpaper
4: that's when it flips and maybe it wasn't december 9th but it feels like it was around that date um and that's really what what flipped it.
3: But w- the day that I wrote, we need to talk on the board. I remember distinctly.
4: I used to drive around every different possible route to get to work, and I realized no matter what route I take, I'm still going to end up at a place I don't want to be. Mm-hmm. I traveled the world and I still ended up back at a place where I was unhappy, you know, and I thought, I think about like the astronauts and how the astronauts went to the moon and back. What do you do after that? (laughs)
2: Like
4: for real, like what's the penultimate journey after you've done something you want to do or something so unique that, well, even if it's unique to you, how do you come back from that? Not a changed person you know it you can either wallow in your sadness and and do what i did and just get depressed about it for far too long or you can take an actionable step
3: and start with something small mm-hmm. you know too many people mm-hmm. assume that making a decision to
4: make a change means that you've made that decision and you cannot go back. Mm
3: -hmm. If there's one
4: thing that I learned early on from a lot of people is that you can always go in reverse if you have to. Now, that said, you got to make a calculated risk at the same time, Mm
3: -hmm. unless
4: it's so bad that you got to get out. You know, like if you have to escape from prison, you have to escape Mm -hmm. from prison. Or you're going to die in prison, you know. But there's consequences to both actions.
1: Right. What were some of the small steps or the first steps you talk about actionable steps that you took on your path to becoming more mentally healthy, or becoming uh, starting your business, or um, yeah, even just just this is a thing that I want to do or explore. Sure. back to some of your first steps that you took a lot of youtube videos a lot of youtube videos uh,
4: motivational stuff um lifestyle stuff you know just a lot of like how can i make more money how can i be better at
3: money how can i make the money matter or last longer mm-hmm. um because at the time
4: I didn't realize how much I actually made, which was pretty decent money. But I was wasting it on things I didn't really need to be wasting it on. Right. But anyways, the the YouTube videos I I, w- I would play these things, and I had documents, uh, text edit documents on my computer open at all times, um, and I would type in things in these text edit documents about what I remembered, what I what what I liked, what I should remember, stuff like that. And I would print them off at the end of the day. And every so often I would go back and I'd look at them and I'd read them to remind myself, you got to stick with it. You got to stick with it. And then because you know it it for me I'm a very tactile person. I'm a photographer. I was just telling this to someone yesterday actually. Cause she was talking about digital marketing, all this other shit. And I'm like, yeah, that's that's great. And she asked, how do you do with online learning? And I went, I'm a photographer. What do you think? I go out and I take pictures of physical things. Well, that means you must be implementer. And I'm like, yeah, I implement, but I'm also very physical. I've tried the online stuff. It doesn't work. And so like this woman didn't do her research on me. I don't think just my opinion, but so it's the realization to go back to your question. It was, it's the realization that if I write it, I remember it. Mm -hmm. If for my, for the way that I operate, if it's out of sight, it's out of mind. So like, on Instagram, on Facebook, on YouTube. Yeah, sure, I've got these saved clips and these saved reels and stuff like that. I have never gone back and looked at any of them, Mm -hmm. ever. I don't even know how to do it. I just hit the little save thing
3: and that's about it. (laughs) (laughs) One day I'll figure it out, but whatever.
0: So the first, so that first step though was yeah. the the looking at the inspiration, like watching uh-huh. those those videos that helped to kind of get you in that right headspace. Yeah, and then taking notes on those, and then re reading those notes.
4: hmm Yeah, and I saved them all in a folder. So I, I got Manila folders, and I put everything in sure. my business motivational folder. And actually, I was just looking at it this last weekend. I'm like, man, I, I printed a lot of stuff. And I remember one day I came up with um, the ABCs of motivation or something like that. For me, oh. it was like it was an A through Z list of things that I, I would have to find it again. In fact, I'll find it and send it to you and you can go send it to you. Oh, yeah. Maybe it wasn't motivation, but it was like the ABCs sure. of something. Yeah. But it was like such this moment of time where I was like, damn, I did that. Like this shit was making an impact. It wasn't just, it wasn't just words on paper. Mm -hmm. That's the real thing. If it's just words on paper, cool, read a book, read the dictionary. That doesn't mean you're going to understand what the dictionary says a word means. You know, I think the first step is truly making an effort to let things stew and brew and become food.
5: Mm.
3: the food that fuels the fire or the wood that fuels the fire the food that fuels you I like that analogy mm-hmm.
1: what stands out as being particularly motivating or what are the things that you learned that you put into practice if you have an example or two so from some of those
5: mm
3: not so sure if I do. I think I go back, I go back to just the sandpaper comment because that one,
4: that one always makes me remember when I get really pissed at
3: someone for something they said, I have to remember that there's a reason they said it and there's a reason I needed to hear it. I might not fully understand what that is. Like there's, there's two examples that I can remember that they really hurt. They really hurt, but they were necessary. Like
4: my, one of my former friends said, I'd love to be a fly in your brain to see where you come up with this stuff. And at the time I took it as this, like, what the fuck does that mean? Like, I'm not, I'm I'm silly. I'm a fun guy. What can I say? Like, yeah, I'm a little ADD. So the mindset just goes from like that. Okay. It's like popcorn. You don't know where the next kernel is going to (laughs) go. That's how my brain works. And, and, but he was very methodical about everything. And I, and I don't, know if he meant it in the way that i took it but i remember him saying that i was like oh so offended right now i'm like no nah, you know i'd like to be a fly
1: in my own brain <laughs> yeah. shit man i want to know where this shit comes from <laughs> well to understand how your mind works yeah i think yeah. there's a positive spin on that too like i don't how how do you come up with this stuff I mean, i'm interested in Understanding how your mind works and operates, because mm-hmm. my mind works differently. Potentially, is what he was saying. Yeah,
3: yeah,
4: and and I see that now. But then, yeah. but you know, he he he's just as he would say things like very passive aggressively. So there was sometimes where I questioned if what I was hearing was the right thing or not. Mm-hmm but ultimately he, he called me emotionally unstable and he said some pretty nasty things about Melanie. And that was about the time when I'm like, all right, fuck you two asshole. We're done Mm -hmm. because I'm not going to let you do that. You can talk shit about me, but you are not going to talk shit about someone else, Mm
5: -hmm.
4: especially someone who is very important to me. And the other one was, um, this was a defining
3: moment for me. I had a, a person asked me to shoot their band.
4: And when I told her what my price was, which back then was honestly pretty affordable in my opinion, she said, but they're only on stage for 45 minutes. And I went, what about my editing time? What about my time there? Like, cause it's not just for you. It, you have to, everything goes into this mix here. And it, that was a defining moment of, that wasn't necessarily a sandpaper moment, but it was certainly an eye-opening moment where, where where you either realize your worth or you're like, you know, you're right, you're right. They are only on stage for 45 minutes. I guess that that was stupid that I thought that I would have to spend time editing things. You know what I mean?
0: So did you question your worth when she, when that question came up or did you, did you kind of, did you have that sense of value at that time to just, nope, this is what it is?
3: With that
4: situation specifically, Mm -hmm. I, I knew what I was worth. I knew what I was asking was the right thing. Mm -hmm. There are, there have been times where I have questioned my value maybe not my worth but my value to the situation but that's all part of the learning process if Mm -hmm. if you don't if you don't walk away from some things questioning
3: then you probably are not getting out of your comfort zone too much Mm -hmm. yeah
0: I, I the question of of value and worth especially when it comes to um i I see this a lot in wellness um as well as in the arts especially um music all of that is there is that sort of oh well if you love what you do why do you need to get paid for it and there is so often there's there's way too many, I know for when I think about the yoga industry in this area in particular, way too many teachers underselling, oh, yeah, their um, service, sure. Um, and it and there is preparation, and there is, you know, just like in the art world, it's not just that moment of shooting., no, no. it is everything that you prepare ahead of time everything yeah. that you're bringing, your equipment, the cost of that. Yeah. And then also the time that you spend editing all yeah. of the post, post-work stuff. So yeah. I'm always a, a huge advocate. And and I know that you know, um, like I I always want to make sure that if I'm going to ask somebody to do something, like we did a photo shoot, mm-hmm. um, I want to make sure that you're getting paid properly right, <laughs> yeah. for for your time and your effort and travel, and all of that.
4: Yeah, for sure. Huge and, and, I, and I respect that fact that you even think about that. Because there's a lot of people Always. that Always. just,
3: you know, they they
4: there's this like, how do I say nicely? There's this pretense that you can understand what it means to put in time, but if like if I tell you five hundred dollars to shoot to shoot and edit and do everything else. If you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Why is that? Well, that's a fair question. But if you're fighting the fact that I have to explain it after I explain it to you, as I understand what you're looking for, and you're still like, well, that's not what I meant. Like, that's the time to say that's not what I meant. Mm -hmm. You know, like I've had situations where people say, can you do this? And I'll be like, "Sure." And then I get there and the situation is completely different. And I'm like, this is not what I banked on mm-hmm. at all whatsoever. But it's shame on me for not doing my due diligence to make sure that that it was right, that I answered my own questions. Sorry, I interrupted you there.
0: Just- no, <laughs> no, no, that's you're the guest. <laughs> so we want to hear from you. Um, yeah, I was just finishing saying that I am a, a huge advocate of making sure that people are are selling their services for the appropriate amount. Mm-hmm. And not only for yourself, right? We still even though we're doing what we love, we still have to make a living. And even if we're and even if we have, you know, another job, this idea of that this is a hobby or this is yeah. a side hustle, you know, shouldn't make a difference in how we price ourselves and how we no. how we express our value. Um that's true. And if you lower the bar, you're lowering the bar for the whole industry.
2: Exactly. Right. Exactly. So like
0: you, have to, <laughs> you have to price yourself in a competitive way. Mm-hmm because this is a job, you know, yeah. and running your own business is not easy. And it's, it's a 24 seven game. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Don't, it, there's no, there is really no downtime when you're, no. when you're running your own no. business.
4: It's, it's understanding, <laughs> it's understanding what it means to understand your worth and your value, because there's a lot of people out there who think it's a get rich quick scheme. (laughs)
2: Yeah.
4: (laughs) Who who think that if I watch this YouTube video, I'm gonna learn how to do it, no matter what the thing is. Mm -hmm. Drawing, yoga, pictures, singing, you know, that that's all art stuff. But you know, you 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 put this into any job. Mm -hmm. You don't expect like I could not be a heart surgeon. I could. But I'm I'm not trained in it.
0: I wouldn't want
4: you to. No. I would not want me to start my part. So, you know, and while the medical system has its own issues, there's still like you, it's the easiest thing to compare it to
3: because while I'm not saving lives, I am creating a lifestyle of someone's,
4: business, mm-hmm. personal life, just whatever makes them them, mm-hmm. you know, I, I feel like that's what I do to help people is I, I help write their story in a photographic way, mm-hmm. and hence jur- photojournalism. That doesn't mean that just becomes, it comes naturally to me that I should charge less
3: or the next person or the next person. I don't, right. I'm going on a tangent here. (laughs) I'm not a cash cow operation. And what I mean by that is,
4: I would rather spend time with someone and build their story the right way and maybe make a little bit less, but create this epilogue and whatever post log of, of content for them that sells them in such a way that they can use it anywhere at any time at any, at any phase of their life, you know, we all change, but that's, that's really my goal is to, to help businesses and customers and clients have meaningful content to them that makes a difference. Mm-hmm. I, I, and that's the one reason why. I don't like to do weddings because weddings for me, as I've seen them, they're a one-time deal. You know, most times they're a one-time deal. Yeah, you make a bunch of money, but you make it once. And I'd rather make a relationship so that I have, you know, a return on investment. Every time I talk to someone, oh, we got a new project. Cool. Awesome. You know, stuff like that. That was really creepy. I thought my ear was going <laughs> stupid on me. No, nope,
0: just being being being.
1: Need some <laughs> camera right? Yeah. Does that make sense? I like
0: that for sure. It does. Yeah. yeah,
1: you care deeply about. Oh, go ahead, Jeff.
0: I was just gonna say I like that idea of um, telling someone's story, of business, a client, or personal um, story through photography. Yeah, yeah. Well you, that is what it is.
4: It is. If and and if, and that's the thing I think that sets me apart from other people and I don't want to get arrogant about it cuz I'm certainly trying not to be. But that goes back to I know that I can tell someone's story. I know that I can tell this client's story and the reason is cuz they keep calling me back. They know that I'm going to do the job that they want.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: And I think once people see that and they see their ROI on what I've given them, they see this creation, like, like the brick wall over there that you people can't see, but it's just, it's the little things that, that make up the whole wall. You know, that's what I try to do. And
0: that's where the, I don't want you to forget your thought.
1: It was just how much you care about the output. How much you care about the actual delivery of what mm-hmm. you're doing and yeah. less about maybe meeting the demands of the contract or getting done with that one project mm-hmm. it is i think as an entrepreneur and maybe a new entrepreneur we care so much about the craft and the impact that the craft is having oh yeah and less just about a product or a service delivery mm-hmm. yeah that's that's true and i the one thing
4: so i've been in small business, my entire life. I worked at a grocery store and UPS. Those are the only corporate jobs I ever had. If you could even consider those corporate. Other than that, I was working for my dad since about age sixteen. Before that, I was, I was the neighborhood uh, lawn guy. Mm-hmm. You know, like I've always been the entrepreneur in my mind because my parents said, "You want something." Find a way to get the money to get it. Yeah.
1: I mm, can That's entrepreneurial mindset. Entrepreneurial mindset. It is. Stuff. It is. It's a powered mindset. Stuff, it is, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And, and,
4: you know, I realize not everyone has that. That's the other thing, too, is people need to realize that not everyone is going to have that. And that doesn't make the non-entrepreneur type any less of a person or any less valuable in society. I think we live in a world that that is so focused, hyper-focused on this, hustle, you gotta make money. If you're not working 20,000 hours a day, you are gonna fail. Yeah. Q. Yeah. Gary Vee. I love his stuff, <laughs> but my God, he is like, he's the biggest hustle guy in the world. I love Gary Vee. I do too. <laughs> But then when you actually like when you look at his stuff and you dig a little deeper, he's really down to earth and he doesn't he work is. that much. Yeah. He actually promotes not working yeah. like you know, the the um the Elon Musk works 16 hours a day and sleep four. Mm-hmm. Well, what is what good does that do? I mean, Twitter's falling apart because of that. So, you know. <laughs> That's just the way I think about it.
1: At least it's, yeah. Has that mindset changed or shifted, or have you always been in that um, away from the hustle culture, away from the hustle mentality of the finding that balance and what the right balance is? Sure, that's a good question because
4: for a long time, I was not in any mindset that was positive or promotional or advantageous when I started watching these motivational videos that's kind of when I started on this idea of of hustle like so the thing is I'm going to rewind this a little bit Mm -hmm. all right for you kids you don't get it we're going to press the rewind and go (laughs) (laughs) I'm selling a damn turkey there but I love it (laughs) so I remember distinctly, I've always kind of had this hustle mindset, but again, going back to the fact that I, I'm slightly ADD, so I've got a popcorn brain like people can't believe. It it takes a lot of energy for me to focus on something like this answer, Uh, (laughs) because I am everywhere all the time all at once. Hmm. My mind is thinking about what I'm doing later as I'm answering this question. What, What I said in an email yesterday that I need to follow up on as I'm answering this question. And that doesn't make it any easier or make me more superhuman or anything, but it's just how my brain works. And I once had a friend tell me, you need to slow down and you need to stop working so much and you need to come hang out with me. And I went, the hell I do. And Melanie, <laughs> Melanie, in all her greatness, was like, no, man, you don't understand. If he's not working, he's going crazy. He he does not survive if he's not doing something. Like, yeah, I, I might sit at home a lot. I might sit for my job a lot because I'm editing and stuff, but uh I don't sit a lot. The mind is moving. I am constantly in motion and, and You know, if that's what the hustle culture is, the constantly in motion, fuck, every person with ADD has the hustle culture in them. Mm -hmm. They just have to learn how to hone their craft in. Mm -hmm. And the day that I figured out how to hone my, my, my craft in and really laser focus on
3: the thing that mattered, I was like, all right, I know what I can do and I know how I have to do it. Does
4: that
1: answer your question? Yeah. Like super yeah. long form. Yeah. And that was finding your way, building your business, mm-hmm. focusing, focusing on what you wanted to do.
4: Right. Yeah. So is that is that
1: what you're describing when you're talking kind about of, finding like it?
4: Focusing on what you want to do. Yes and no. Yes and no. Because it took it took a long time for me to figure out what I really wanted to do. Whereas, you know, because here's the thing. You you got two hands. What's your dominant hand? What are you really good at? And then you've got your not dominant hand and what are you okay at? Okay, so between the two, they kind of have to try to work together, right? Have you ever tried to use your non-dominant hand to shave? Not, not lately <laughs> i can tell <laughs> um, you know or brush your teeth uh, or mm-hmm. comb your hair or just little things like that like change the shit up a little bit mm. stop using your dominant hand and your dominant feet and that was me and anyways
0: we're running a professional operation here Chris. i know I'll dare you
1: <laughs> <Cut>. <laughs> And, and, um, how do you know you've found it? What does that feel like once you've gotten to a place where you've found it? I think so I think a lot of people you get truly, truly
4: excited about it. Yeah, you don't just get like, "Oh look, this happened. I'm kind of like, this is kind of cool, whatever. No, man. The day i established my llc i was out on fucking facebook like i did it people i put the llc through man i feel great the day yeah. i quit drinking i'm like fucking hey i quit drinking i did it right yeah. the day that i got in accepted into rock fest i didn't post because i couldn't yet but the day that i signed the contract i was like fucking a people i did it i'm in rock fest as a photographer and and you get so pumped about the thing that you're doing yeah that you can't hold it in. I don't know how people can just hold all this stuff in. But I'm a very external person. Like I, I, I wear my heart on my sleeve, even though I have walls around me, there are things that I don't like to tell people, but I'm an open book for the most part. You know, if you follow my social medias, you will see I put my entire story out there because if I don't there's two things one it holds me accountable and two it shows that I'm human Mm
5: -hmm.
4: and if you Mm -hmm. and this is the other way I see it is that if you're not I'm authentic I'm as authentic online as I am in person that makes you rare Uh, right Yeah. yeah I have met far too many people who are like
2: loving happiness. <laughs>
4: they meet them and they're just like this evil sadistic pieces of shit. And you're like, why what the fuck? You are so mean. You're yeah. just
3: what the hell is wrong with you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: I love that um vulnerability as being both accountability and sharing your your humanity yeah. because that's one of the things that I do really appreciate and it's something that I try to do as well on social is um what I really appreciate about you is that you do share
2: mm-hmm.
0: the ups and downs
2: yeah
0: and um and that I can definitely see that sort of hustle mentality come through because you're always posting about who wants to work with me, who wants to work with me, Right. Um, which you have to do Yeah. Right. when yeah. you're doing something freelance, it, it's, you have to put yourself out there. Yeah. Um. I wanted to get to a couple of different yeah. things. Let's see where, okay, Ooh,
4: we're running out moving
0: of time. right along. <laughs> I never want to say that we're running out of time. I mean, how much time do you have?
4: Whatever, I got, I got all day. Okay. How much care
3: computer
0: screens do you we have? <laughs> well, we'll see. <laughs> It'll be good. Um, okay, so thinking about a few things. Yeah. I wanted to
3: ask about that Oh, shoot. Are these the questions you texted me?
0: What did I text you? Let's just go back to that. No. <laughs> well, let's just let's go ahead and talk about your sobriety because you brought that up. Um, yeah. This episode, I, I didn't even name the episode at the beginning, but we can do that in our reflection. Stoicism. Um, well. <laughs> so I do want to talk about. Okay, maybe I should just list off what I want to talk sure. about. <laughs> okay. What I want to have you talk about yeah. stoicism. Mm-hmm your kind of philosophy of life, your sort of belief system, where where you're at with that. Yeah. Um, how you kind of came to that, and then your sobriety. Um, one of the things that you had mentioned as we were kind of getting ready here is water, right? Like you don't drink caffeine, you're just drinking water. And that's one of the things um uh that I address in my empowered mindset stuff. Okay. So Um, I've been focusing a lot on the very simple basic habits that help us Mm -hmm. enhance our mindset or help us have that sort of more growth mindset from water to journaling to sleep, meditation, um, walking, things like this. So very simple things. So I wanted to talk about, yeah, so your sobriety, maybe some of those habits that you do that help, Um, and maybe just your routine in general. So wherever you want to start.
3: Sure. The, let's see, I'll say this about the sobriety. It was the best decision I ever made, of
4: course. It was also one of the scariest decisions I ever made Mm -hmm. because that was I hate painting myself like I was an alcoholic, especially in Wisconsin. But that's the culture we have, so mm-hmm. I think I felt more at ease being like, "Oh yeah, let's have a drink, whatever." But you know, sobriety for me has been a journey of really addressing much deeper issues than just removing the alcohol, yeah. uh, which was my main addiction—was alcohol. I mean, I, I I was honestly to the point where I was drinking heavy six-packs, like a heavy IPA six-packs, like
3: 9%, the full thing in a night, and drinking bourbon all night long.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: I don't know how I
4: survived and lived half the time. I wasn't that bad, because I was still like, I was there all the time, but... I was there enough to get up and get a drink and sit back down.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: That was the about the extent of, oh, and I had enough energy to complain at the same time. <laughs> so between those two things, well, I had a really productive uh, uh, age range of like 23 to like 35 or 36 or 34, somewhere around there. Um, but the sobriety was was a journey of introspection. That's what it came down to. What really prompted it was I had tried quitting for years. And there was a point where I did. I I quit for about a month and I was like, oh, this is great. And, but at the time, I didn't tell anyone. I didn't do anything about it. I was just like, I was on this anti Facebook, anti social media kick. I just didn't want to deal with people. I just wanted to be around, excuse me, be around myself and show that I could do it and see if it really mattered you know did it actually change me and in the month that I didn't drink I think it did change me but not enough because at the end of the month I was like I've been a good boy I can have a drink Mm -hmm. well you know that leads straight down the hill again and I remember distinctly waking up that next morning after January had ended or whatever it was I know it was during winter and I I woke up and I'm like, I'm not doing this again. This is bad. I hate this. And then I just kept doing it over and over and over. And, And finally, I just, I woke up
3: one day and it wasn't a light bulb as much as it was just something clicked. And my body was like, all right, you don't need it anymore. You're done.
4: And in that instant, I said, all right, well, I'm going to finish off what I have in the house because I don't like to waste things if I can avoid it. So I finished off what was in the house. And the last beer that I drank unintentionally was uh, FML, <laughs> which was at the beer was FML for like fear mouth lion, something like that.
0: So not fuck my life.
4: <laughs> no, but like I associated that with fuck my life. Yeah. And it was like the most insane thing because I I remember
3: I took this the final leg and I went oh that was good what do I do now mm. and I was so
4: bored out of my mind I didn't know what to do and I remember telling Melanie I'm like I'm I'm done drinking like uh, we got to find things to do because like I'm um, I gotta keep my mind moving because like alcohol is a depressant so it shut me down so that my 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 popcorn brain would just, you, you know, power down, cue the windows, doo, 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 doo whenever it happened. Um, and then, I i don't know, it was, it was a lot of discovering myself and what I thought I knew about myself versus what I actually knew about myself. Uh, and I, I do have one friend to thank for talking me out of having a drink on my birthday. The first year that I was going trying to be sober, he's like, hey, hey, no, 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 you're not drinking because if you drink again, you know what's going to happen. And I'm like, oh, I hate you, but you're so right. And I remember because I originally I was going to stay sober until my birthday. And I was like, you know, what? on my birthday, I'll have one. Yeah, whatever. It's not going to kill me to have one. But something in him after i told him like hey jason i've been sober for almost seven months and you know i really want a beer he's like yeah i know you do and i'm not giving you one I'm like why because if you have it you know it's gonna happen i'm like "Fine, fine. i'm gonna fight you all night long but i woke up the next day july 30th and i was like i did it i did it mm-hmm. Thanks, Jason, and I remember awesome. thanking him for that. But yeah. now I'm going on; it'll be two years in January that I've been decidedly sober. I still drink NAs. I feel like I have to disclose that because yes, there's a little bit of alcohol in there, but you know it's like drinking decaf coffee. There's not enough to really do anything. You got to drink like a hundred of those things, and there's no way what I'm drinking a hundred of them. <laughs> NAs. What is
2: that?
4: Non-alcoholics.
2: Oh, okay.
4: But the reason I do is because I do like the flavor sure. of the maltiness, the mm-hmm. grains, everything else. It's just it's just not a flavor you get with soda or something else like that. Mm-hmm. But usually with the NAs, it's like one and done. You know, I'm like, okay, that was good. I don't mm-hmm. need anything else. And you know, like a whole Six pack can last me two weeks. There would have been a time in my life that six pack would have lasted about 10 minutes mm-hmm. with high-proof beer. But now I'm just like, whatever, I don't need it. And I like I remember I bought some just recently, and you know, I was sending out of sight out of mind. I completely forgot about it. <laughs> so I'm looking in the fridge and I went, huh, I totally forgot I had this. You know, it was it was nice and I had it. I took a sip and I'm just like, I'm not really feeling this right now. So I, I got rid of it, but it took me. So when I quit the drinking, it took me forever to actually drink an NA because I was so Mm. scared that if I drank this thing, it would, it would be like methadone to a heroin addict. It's just going to encourage the addiction again. And I remember calling my brother because I was having this anxiety attack at Woodman's. I'm like, I was having a rough day and I really felt in my mind like this is the only thing that's going to help me get through this day. And I called him and he said, why are you buying it? And I told him and he said, OK, so you recognize while you're buying it, right? Well, yeah. So that's all you need is recognition. And I remember being like, whoa, that's kind of cool. I just have to recognize the fact that I'm stressed and then I don't associate it anymore. There's, there's still days I struggle with it because for me, booze was never, a it was never, when I was depressed or sad, I never drank. Mm-hmm. It just, it brought me even worse.
2: Yeah,
4: I had to be in the moment, but like you get me in a party scene and especially as a musician, like when people are just handing you free drinks and you're like, yeah, this is great. <sighs> yeah, that that's probably the hardest thing is being around the scene where it's, you know, it's at a party and you're like, man, I wish I could. I tell people that all the time and they're like, you want one? I'm like, I wish
3: I could, but I can't because I can, but I just won't.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: It would be not a good situation.
1: Um, is that can I answer your question, yeah. yeah. A follow up two years is a big deal, yeah. So congratulations yeah. on that! Thank you, um, and thanks for sharing your story around it. You talked about some of the challenging times or challenging moments. What has been most rewarding about the sobriety journey?
4: <laughs> Leading into your second point, discovering <laughs> stoicism, especially yeah. because the stoicism led to this being sober. And I didn't realize that at the time, Mm -hmm. the motivational shit just got me hyped up to want to do things, but the stoicism made me enhanced it in, it enhanced the desire to want to be disciplined and structured and maintain habits
3: because without, without that, structure in my life that I had, it was back to
4: square one and I didn't want to go back to square one. Um, And I was just talking about this on my socials last night, the Dakota from Musashi
3: was the one thing that saved my life from ever drinking again.
4: Because it made me, it made there's so that the Dakota is twenty one precepts about life, and it's it's about a samurai lifestyle mainly, but you can apply these things to anything
3: about life. Uh, so go check it out if you want. Yeah, twenty
0: one precepts. Yeah, and it's. Dakota D- is the, like,
4: D-O-K-K-O-D-O.
0: Oh, yeah. whoa, well, wait, can you spell that yeah, sure.
4: <laughs> D-O-K-K-O-D-O. Okay. And it's, it was the, it was the last stuff that
3: Musashi wrote before his, death, before his death, which is like Marcus Aurelius and, um, Uh, Hadrian, King Hadrian, who, King
4: Hadrian wrote Animula, Vagula, Bladula. And there's been hundreds of translations of this poem. But if you look up Animula, Vagula, Bladula, King Hadrian, you'll find a good resource, I think, as to what one of the best translations is. And it's, you know, it's about recognizing death. And how it's a part of life. And then so Musashi got me through the the biggest stretch, the biggest hurdle of the first month and a half of just struggling to. Wasn't even struggling because at that point I was like, I don't want it anymore. I'm done with it. But in my mind, I was still like, but it it's cold and dark and winter sucks. And what else am I gonna do? Mm-hmm. So that got me through, and then I discovered uh Ryan Holiday and Daily Stoic podcasts. And then I discovered Marcus Aurelius. And when I discovered meditations, when I truly discovered meditations, that was like, Mm -hmm. because his whole thing was memento mori, which means remember you will die. And people want to assume that Death is this horrible, terrible thing, but it's not because my whole life has been surrounded by depression and sadness and grief and anger. But it was all about death and death was the one thing that was consistent. I was suicidal as a teen. I was suicidal in my 20s. I was suicidal in my early 30s. I really didn't share this with people. Because you know that's kind of embarrassing. Like, you still want to die, man. You have a great life. Like, who the fuck cares if I have a great life? In my mind, it's not that great. Mm -hmm. First world, the third world, shit, you could be an alien.
3: I don't care. If you're not good in your head, you're not good. Bottom line. But the day that I read or the day I heard about Memento Mori, remember you will die,
4: was like it was just boom okay, I will die. And then going along with that, I changed my phone screen to the other thing that he said, which is you could leave life right now. Let that determine what you do and say and think. And I remember sitting there going, that's stupid. But why? Why would anyone care what they do say and think, right? But it matters. It matters because While your goal in life should not be to be remembered for anything, Mm. that's just my opinion because we're all insignificant creatures at the end of the day, you're still alive even after you die because of memories, because of conversations, because of things you've done in the community. At least be remembered for something honorable. And going back to Musashi's Dakota, uh, the 20th precept is... Even if you have to sacrifice your life, never sacrifice your honor. And and like, it was just mind blowing to me to hear all these things. And then there was another one that hit me as like a ton of bricks in my face. I was sitting, I was sitting at a job that I knew was going to end because it was seasonal, but I was there to collect the paycheck and it was decent. So whatever, it got me through winter. And uh, the the saying was, you always commit suicide to life from Emile Chiron, who was notably a depressed, cynical asshole, but he was extremely anti-suicide because suicide is the easy way out. And I remember hearing, you always commit suicide too late. And I remember that instant, like my heart just went in my stomach and I was like, you know, that's true. And then I started singing in my head, the theme from Annie, the sun will come up tomorrow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it was like, that whole thing was, you, you know, if you, if you wait until tomorrow, so stuff could change. Yeah. And then the, the decision-making matters. And I've started to lead a life where I don't make decisions at night anymore. This is going to the habits thing now. Did I answer your question? Mm-hmm. Okay. So going to the habits thing, I, I, actively decided I'm not after a certain point in the day I am done making decisions my decision meter is done,
3: because if I make it too late in the day it's like eating too late i'm going to feel like crap. So. I make all of my important decisions. And
4: after i've worked out after i've journaled or read or something like that, because. It's only after that point where I feel alive enough to be like, Great, I can make this decision effectively,
2: mm-hmm.
4: not just because I need to make a decision, because I have to make a decision.
3: Um, and And so every day, almost every day, I wake up at four fifty four
4: a m and I get up and <laughs>
0: Is there something significant to 4.54? It just
4: feels earlier than 5.
0: Okay.
4: I, I tried I tried waking up at 5 a.m. And I'm like, oh, it too early. So I'm like, let's wake up at 4.57, I think is what I put it 30. at originally. <laughs> and then I was like, what oh, about this random time. And it just kind of like, it took three months, but it's clicking now. And mm-hmm. three months of that consistent wake up, wake up. And that that opened my eyes to enough of the day that i was like by eight o'clock i'm completely alive hmm. i like that
3: mm-hmm. Now
4: know it doesn't work all the time because my lifestyle is kind of different and there are days where i could be up till one in the morning now that said i also prioritize my sleep which is something i never used to do mm-hmm. if you if you prioritize your sleep as much as you can Those with kids, I feel bad for you, but do what you can, I suppose. Um, If you can prioritize the sleep so that you know the, the maximum amount you need for your own personal body, do it, do it. Fuck everyone else who says, oh, you're a loser for going to bed, be a loser. I'd rather be a loser laying in bed, getting the right amount of sleep than a loser during the day who can't perform because yeah. I didn't get enough sleep, because I drank, because I I didn't
3: do the 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 habitual things that make a difference to to the day. Because if, if the 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 days that I break my habits,
4: I find myself like completely lost. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what do I do now? Like yeah. the, I yeah. don't like the last, the last week or so has been difficult because I've kind of been breaking my habits, but I've also been doing different things at the gym. So I'm trying to like figure out this good balance about what matters, what doesn't. You know, like when I started lifting weights and doing full body workout stuff, I had to change the way I, I approached the day because I, if I run, it's one thing. I know how my body's going to react. I can intermittent fast until noon if I want, if I'm going to run. If I start working out and I'm like, oh, God, my legs are on fire. My arms are on fire. My chest is on fire. Like, screw this. I'm going to eat the carbs because I just really want to eat the damn carbs. But I, And I'm going to break it before noon. But then I also kind of tell myself at the same time, well, you did that. So compensate by not eating super late at night. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just like Mm -hmm. balance. It's all about balance. That's the way I see it. Mm -hmm. Habits are balance at the end of the day. But you can't be so strict. And this is the thing about habits. Mm -hmm. You cannot be so strict that you can only stay in your little circle. Got to be able to get outside of your
3: circle a little bit. at least a little bit to see if your circle is still what you think your
4: circle is, you know, like a cat running in a little donut toy, (laughs) which just isn't in the donut toy anymore. But, you know, if that's your circle, you still need an exit. Every spaceship has an emergency exit pod. Think of it like that. Life still has an emergency exit pod, no matter where you are. The only thing that doesn't have the exit
3: pod is the exit pod. So just make, that's where the calculated risk comes in.
0: I was gonna say there's um, value to being flexible. Mm -hmm. There's value to that discipline, right? Of, okay, every morning I'm getting up at this time, I'm doing this particular thing as my habit to like get um motivated to do whatever I need to get done in the mm-hmm. day. Um, but there's also value to being flexible with that because there is um, you don't always know what's going to happen, right? Like there is there's things that might just come up and now instead of doing your workout, you're um helping out a friend or doing some, right? Like there's yeah. other priorities. So I think yeah. there is that. Um, mm-hmm bringing into harmony okay what do i know that i need to be motivated for the day but how can i adapt to whatever life throws at us and and i think that's maybe where a little bit of that stoicism that philosophy comes in yeah is being able to being able to adapt and to continue to move regardless of, you know, maybe some of the the chaos or busyness that might um, just come into our lives, you know, that are things that are outside of our country.
4: Yeah, so the big thing about that, that I think with stoicism is that Far too many people think it's completely unempathetic and it's everyone Mm -hmm. for himself. And you basically are just a, a person who doesn't have feelings. Mm -hmm. And I suppose to a degree, one could consider stoicism like that, but I think
3: that stoics are some of the most empathetic people out there because you're also at the same time of letting the shit roll off the back, water off the back,
4: whatever you want to call it you're still recognizing that people have their issues and you, you just have to let them deal with it how they deal with it but you you have to be able to see it from their point of view you know it's, I'm not overly religious by any means and and I'm talking, christianity and catholicism that kind of religion um, organized religion but i am spiritual and i think after looking at stoicism and looking at spiritualistic stuff and organized religion everything is connected it's just written out differently the ten commandments are
3: stoicism and people just don't think about it like that I don't know, because for me, Stoicism in and of itself has its own flaws. Epictetus uh, was a slave and yet he had slaves. How do you define that? You know what I mean? Just stuff
4: like that where a person who, and maybe it wasn't Epictetus, it could have been another one of them that I'm confusing right now, but either way, you know, it's like, it's like the forefathers, every man is equal, except
2: mm-hmm. right.
4: the, you know, the blacks, the natives, mm-hmm. whatever else, whoever else was here, mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're not as equal, you're, but you're equal. You're just not as equal. You know what I mean? But this, this idea that goes behind it.
3: And I think stoicism in, in all of its greatness has things
4: that people want to see and view as this super negative anti-empathetic thing as all I'm circling back to it but yeah stoicism is one of the more empathetic
3: mindsets to me and that's what matters like going back to everything I was telling you empathy is a good thing it's also a bad thing though, because you can be overly empathetic.
4: And that's where I think stoicism also helps Helps me is that, think of it like, like Facebook, where everyone gets in a heated argument and everyone's like, oh, I feel this and I feel that and feel, 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 feel. Well, when are you gonna stop feeling and start recognizing? Or is feeling recognizing? I don't know.
0: Maybe it's bringing, all
4: in vernacular.
0: Bringing um, reason to emotion.
4: Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's the thing. Stoicism brings reason to emotion. Yeah, you just summed up the last five minutes.
0: <laughs>
4: <laughs> You're welcome.
0: Um, <laughs> I was going to say, too, regardless of different philosophies, belief systems, and things like this, Right. Um there was a there was a moment on when I had posted one of my photos that you took and um one of your photos, I should say. One of your photos that you took of me. Oh, yeah. Um and then you had mentioned something about Mark Marcus Aurelius and um like making some kind of comparison of of me to.
2: Oh, yeah, kind
5: of yeah.
0: And I wasn't super familiar, but I had looked him up and then I like basically right away, bought, <laughs> put on Amazon and thought meditations <laughs> and I only just started getting into it. Yeah. But what was what I found interesting as I was reading the introduction and reading about him is that he has he had these ideas and these values, but he was also still a warrior, yeah. right? Like yeah. he still had to do things that were maybe not necessarily in line right. with right. his beliefs yeah. Um, because of the culture and because of the, you know, what was expected of him as a king mm-hmm. in that day. yeah. Um,
4: it's a very uh, contrarian point of view some people might see it as that.
0: Yeah. And I, I think that's true for a lot of religions and for a lot of, how is it a lot of spiritual beliefs is you have like, okay, this is basically what we value, Mm -hmm. but we're also human beings. So we're, there's almost, for those of us that are trying to live in a growth mindset Mm -hmm. and empowered mindset, we're always trying to bring reason to emotion i think we're always trying to really understand ourselves as human beings as emotional beings as maybe spiritual beings um but we're also but we also want to have that discipline part right because if we're only acting on how we feel right right then yeah, you do land in arguments, you might, you know, do behaviors, actions, what is that, that, um, the, what you do, what you say, what you think, being only driven by emotion
2: Mm
0: -hmm. can land you in some not so great places.
4: (laughs) Right, right, that's true, and I, and that's for the and I think has in. for, yeah, for mean, all of
0: us at some we've place.
4: all done dumb things. Let's yeah, admit <laughs> it. Like, like, we can't deny that fact, and and why deny it?
2: Mm-hmm. But
4: there's a lot of people out there who, who want to deny it because they think, well, if I if I tell anyone I was that stupid, oh, they're going to think I'm like still like that. Okay, it's
2: mm-hmm.
4: it's like this George Santos character. The, the recollect from New York, you know, embellishing his his uh, resume, pretending he's Jewish, pretending he's gay, pretending he's all these other things, and then comes out and says, "Well, I'm not. I'm
3: none of those things." But you ran on that platform. You ran on that. Like people people
4: expect that what what you see on TV what you see in a paper, what you see, what you hear on the radio, that's you. And when they find out that's not you, like, okay, your, your respect meter goes down and that's where using the logic of emotional response helps. It helps. It's, it's therapy without going to a therapist, honestly, like, and I don't claim that I am any smarter than anyone. I've just spent, hundreds of hours on youtube watching videos about this these topics and journaling about it and writing about it and posting about it and, and you know posting things on social media isn't for everyone
2: mm-hmm.
4: i get that 100 uh, percent. but neither is reading you know i didn't read for a long long time and then one day I just picked up a book and I went through 30 pages and I went, wow, that was fun. Okay. I think I'm going to keep trying to read. So I
1: don't know where I'm going with this now. but <laughs> so, Therapy without going to a therapist is something that we talked about. Yeah. Uh, having deep, meaningful conversations and mm-hmm. sharing stories and supporting each other, catching yeah. each other's stories is, Kind of the origin of what this is or what sure. this could be. Um, so that's something that we've been getting thought to too. Is yeah. kind of what does that look like and what does that mean for individuals? Well,
4: and and you know, the, the whole therapy without going to a therapist thing, you know, if, if you truly need help find it, yeah. find it. But stoicism as my personal guide, I can tell you, if you read meditations as you will, and you don't walk away with something from that, you read it again,
3: Mm -hmm.
4: read it until it makes an impact because it's going to make an impact. Mm -hmm. It's going to have a push of some sort. Maybe it's not going to be the same to you as it was to me or or to you if if you read it, Mm -hmm. but it's going to make it's going to make you walk away a little bit more like okay i guess i can i can not be so whatever insert emotion here about this thing like she, melanie she will tell you straight i she gets frustrated with me sometimes cuz i've i've become very i i'm a reactive person i know that um if, if, if you get me in a mood and i'm just not feeling it i can be a nuclear bomb and you don't want to be around me but there's a lot of times where i stuff things down too
5: mm-hmm.
4: and the
3: thing that stoicism has done is opened my eyes to to it's okay to feel
4: it's okay to process in fact it's healthy to do all those things and you can do it in a sober mind in a sober state And frankly, let's face it, Marcus Aurelius lived during probably one of the worst uh, plagues in the entire history of the planet. I mean, it was worse than the Black Plague, and yet he survived that. He lost kids, he went to war, he was not in a good position ever, and yet here was a man who didn't want to be a king, who became king. Mm-hmm. And it just, it, it, it inspired me to wake up and be like, momento mori. Or as um, Nietzsche would say, uh, momento baviri, which is the opposite, which means remember to live. Mm-hmm. Because it's a positive thing. You know, for some people, they also see this as a negative thing. Like it's scary. Death is scary, but so remember to live instead. Like it's like those. Forgive me, but those stupid live life and live love live, and live, whatever. Live that love.
3: Fuck those. Those <laughs> are stupid. They're just they're the dumbest things. Because why why like, ugh, whatever, do you
0: like whatever? listeners, how many?
3: Yeah, if you do, I'm I'm sorry, but.
4: Get some get something that says you will die. <laughs>
0: you
4: know, that's a good one. I'm gonna I'm gonna do that at home. You will die.
0: Well, I I actually I see your point because I <laughs> during one of the during I, I did two Door County half marathons and I have you know my running playlist. And on that playlist I have the um sort of I guess you would call it a motivational speech from the from one of the characters, the main character, um, the kind of alter ego that Brad Pitt plays in that. Oh, movie. yeah. The speech that he does before. Um,
4: yeah, it's track 15 on the album
0: because okay. I have
4: the Fight Club soundtrack. Um,
0: the, you have the soundtrack. Yeah. I just really? found the, yeah. you know, the song and plugged it into that playlist. And it is, it definitely can, it feels, it's very heavy. Yeah. It's very like, you know, uh, it it could feel very negative, but I find it also very motivating. Like, you have to give up. There was so in that in that moment, there is a there's a part where he says you have to give up, you have to give up. And it can seem contrary to right, I'm running. Mm -hmm. And I'm listening to you have to give up. Yeah. But in the moment that I'm listening to this, that line was helping me to not compare myself to other runners. Yeah, absolutely. Stop, get my ego out of the way. Mm -hmm. Let yourself fall behind people that are better than you. Yeah. Right, like keep momentum because that's how you're going to keep momentum. If you're always trying to like, Oh, they just passed me. I need to run faster. They look older than me or they look less fit. I need to pass a right leg. <laughs> you get your your ego. So give up. Mm-hmm. And that really helps it like helps. it yeah. can it can help some people. Oh yeah, oh yeah, it's not Obviously, forever. everybody has their different um, philosophies of yeah. life, different beliefs. But I think the most important thing is, Prioritizing, like you were talking about, what is going to help me get into a better headspace, Mm -hmm. into that more empowered space, that empowered mindset,
2: Yeah.
0: and how can I put this in front of my face always? And then support, because I'm sure that you have uh, some community of photographers that you kind of bounce ideas off, I would imagine, that maybe you get some mentorship from (laughs) or have you or has this been i i have
4: i have a group like that but the whole growth process for me was probably contrary to what most people would have done so i didn't go to school for this i wasn't educated in anything camera wise other than what i did at my dad's job um and the how I learned was I took pictures and I put them up on Facebook and whatever got good reactions. Well, I'm going to keep trying that method, Mm -hmm. whatever I like here, figure that out, whatever I did this. And then along the way, I met a few people who challenged me a little bit Mm -hmm. and I took on their challenges Mm -hmm. and it was nice because I had to, I had to provide answers that I didn't know the answer to. So I, I would always say I would, you know give me a day i'll find the answer and then i would do my research and you know da 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 i got the answer um but it took about 8 years it took 7 to 8 years for me to get to this point mm-hmm. where where i can run my own business mm-hmm. you know that's that's the biggest thing is it's uh it's a long distance slow paced run
2: yeah
4: you know i I will never run a marathon. I know that. I ran 17 miles once and I almost shot myself because it was so painful. It was, I'm like, nope, nope, not doing it. It's not for me. Uh, it hurts my knees too much. And I Mm. frankly don't want to train that much because that's not where my focus is.
2: Yeah.
4: Um, yeah, I I lost where I was going with this, but
0: kind of matter. getting a, a little bit into like the origins of photography but it took you eight years to get oh, to yeah. the point where you're confident enough of, okay yeah I can start a okay. business focus. I remember yeah, yeah. and that,
4: that was about it and then I'm along the way I met a few really good people and while I don't have a a mentor or per se mm-hmm. I have a few people that I consistently go back to who consistently help me with different aspects about what does this mean what does that mean Um, how can I achieve this if I don't have this Mm -hmm. and where can I get this so that I can achieve this Um, and I joined an organization that has photographers in it that have been doing this their entire lives you know people upwards of 60 plus years doing Mm -hmm. some of this stuff like you don't you don't just get that stuff online. Like that's knowledge base that you will never find unless you go and search for it from the right people. Yeah. And then the beautiful part of it is it's, it's I'm sure like yoga or I don't know what you do, but let's pretend you do something where you need a mentor. Mm-hmm. You, you can talk to these people and be like, Hey, yoga instructor, what are your thoughts on this? Like, have you ever heard of this? Have you ever done this? Like, is this unique or is this something that's been done?
2: Mm-hmm.
4: And that's what's been beneficial to me is that I've got these people I can reach out to where I'm like, let's just face it. Everything about photography has been done before. There's nothing more that I can do. That's going to be unique and cool because uh <laughs> Barring some amazing way of taking 3D photos on the spot, which I think has already been done too. It, it's a simple concept, mm-hmm. but it's understanding what the concept is. And that, you know, goes back to the yoga, back to whatever you do. It's understanding the the engineering behind the science
3: or, and vice versa. Does that make sense? Yeah,
1: I do. Um, I rely on support network a lot. Like I do freelance innovation and strategy work, cool. uh, lead human-centered design workshops and facilitate types right. of people working on that. And I rely deeply on ha- having a support network of folks that I can talk to and yeah. bounce ideas off of and ask about perspective there too. Sure. So I see that as being hugely beneficial. It's like having a mastermind. You know,
4: like mm. networking groups are great. Don't get me wrong. I love the networking groups I've been in and that I've been to. But having a mastermind is a totally different concept because you're all building each other up. Yeah. You're not just like, here's my business card. Here's my business card. Right. Yeah. 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 let do business.
1: Yeah, and- <laughs> I get you. It's that. It's that real world candid feedback from someone that you have a relationship with and, and, that you trust. Not mess with you. and someone that's going to tell you this is not great and you can be okay with that right. and that doesn't put you in a funk um, helps you grow yeah 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 and someone that, that right is going to give you a safety net and pick you up deliver maybe some tough feedback and hmm. also be there and say i still got you right you're, right. you're still my person uh, so i think that's important yeah I wonder about a uh, relationship with your father uh, and how, how you talked about, you know, looking back at that time period when he, he called you out or pushed you in a direction to say, figure it out. Uh, where are you at today? And what has that journey looked like? So
3: he actually had a, a medical issue earlier this year. And up until that point, I don't want to say I avoided my family, but I kind of
4: did. Because I needed the space from everyone. Mm
5: -hmm.
2: I have
4: been working for them for 17 years or even longer than that. Some of it was when I was not technically fully employed by him. So I needed the space to just be myself. And and they did support me along the way. Uh, My whole family did. You know, but there was always like... There was always the understanding that he's gone, he's not coming back. Um, and I think knowing and understanding that was beneficial for everyone involved. But when he had his medical issue, which we all thought it was pneumonia and or some like long-term, maybe possibly COVID thing, it turned out he has congestive heart failure, and only 10 percent of his atrial side was working I think it was his atrial side now if you don't understand this of course the heart has two sides and they both function between 45 and 55 and it kind of varies throughout the day well whatever side was at 10 percent was at 10 percent and there it wasn't doing anything so he was constantly exhausted he was constantly tired we didn't know why he didn't know why um but he went into the um into the er and i remember going into the er and this at this point i had not eaten sugar in i think 3 months i was on 3 months and i was so stressed that i bought a box of lemon heads and i just caught, i was eating them at the hospital i'm like i need this like this is you know you talk about breaking habits there are points in your life where breaking habits is necessary you know it's mm-hmm this was one of those times and anyways fast forward to the next few days he he stayed at the hospital um and i i went up every single day and just you know i was there i had the time and i'd hang out with him and we would talk and but we connected on levels that i have never connected on with the man i so growing up it, don't get me wrong. Love my dad. He's he's a great guy, but he's like me. He's always busy, but he was always home. He was home a lot, but he was gone a lot too because he was a musician on, on the weekends. So Thursday through Sunday, especially when I was younger, he was, when he wasn't on the road, he was at home, but he was on the road a lot. I know I'm like super contradicting myself right now, but the point, the point being that like I never, I don't think I got to connect with him in the way that I felt other kids got to connect with their dads mm-hmm. in the sense that we didn't hunt, we didn't fish, we didn't do things like we did. We went out and looked at dinosaur fossils. That's the kind of stuff that he showed me, which mm-hmm. I cool. still appreciate. He <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> took us up to Michigan a few times that, 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 that I remember. The, you know, my parents, they took us down to disney world a few times yes, but i you know there was always this part of me that was like I, I just want to hang out i want to hang out with my dad and i don't want it to be about work mm-hmm. because later in my life it really became about work when when my mom got diagnosed with cancer i was 13 12 or 13 and it was stage four melanoma and She's still alive because they caught it with just the nick of time. But it was about that point where she told my dad, when are you going to start that business you keep talking about? And at that point, I didn't really comprehend what it meant to run a business. He just, he worked a full-time job. Whatever. I was a teen. I was never home. But the older I got, the more, the less personal the relationship became and it became more about business i know he always wanted to maintain this like kind of
3: friendly rapport of course you know i'm his son he doesn't want to treat me like a like a hot mess employee but as an employee you
4: got it there's a fine line between family and work right and home and work and all these things and so for a long time I was always in the work mentality and and so I realize now I was the one holding myself back from that relationship that I wanted with him because in the last year we've connected in ways that I never thought were possible. And I didn't understand back then what it meant for him to keep doors open, you know, to the office, what it meant to make sure that the employees had uh, paychecks to make sure that computers were running and stuff like that to make sure that my mother was was good to go because she's had she's been on and off sick ever since she had the first bout of cancer. Now she's always maintained a job and she's always been good to go, but she's got hefty medical bills
3: because of it, and I think a lot of a lot of it. was selfish. I was a very selfish human for a long time and giving up
4: that selfishness to be like, whoa, you know, the empathy thing, like I can see where you're coming from now. Mm -hmm. Like I wanted attention that was not work so bad that I was willing to do something about it. And then when I finally had the chance to connect to him, what did I do? I stopped showing up and I was like, yeah, I'm fine. I don't need to talk to you for a little bit,
3: but the day that I thought he was going to die, I was in mm-hmm. dire straits. Mm-hmm. And that's a that's a scary thought though. You know, like here's a man that taught me everything who I never said thank you to.
4: I, I, I said thank you, but you know, I didn't like say it like I did when he was in his hospital bed. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, you taught me everything that I know about business. And, um, and you probably taught me how to use a spoon, too. So, you know, whatever, <laughs> like you've been more than
3: just a father to me. And, and thanking him for being more than just a father. Uh, I think was the biggest one of the biggest things that I ever did. Cause it, it took this weight
4: off my shoulders where I was like, you know what? He's human too. He has feelings. He has emotions. He yeah. is not a fucking robot, even though I treated him like a robot for years.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: And it was so mean. It was so just, it was unempathetic. It was, I don't know how else to say it. It was, mm-hmm. it was selfish, mm-hmm. but it's better now. It's better. I don't talk to him all the time, but when I do talk to him, it's it's definitely more open communication than I think it was even a year and a half ago
5: mm-hmm.
4: where I was extremely guarded and I didn't know how to act or how to respond because I always felt like people were judging me for the things I was doing, even though I don't know if they were judging me as much as there was true, honest concern for my
3: well-being. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, yeah, That's huge. So kids, if you have your parents around, give up the bullshit, call them up, have a conversation with them, and
4: see it from their perspective. Because I am sure you all were little hellions to
1: raise too. Thank you. Give them a hug and tell them. Exactly, or do that. That too. Listen to him. (laughs) Not me. (laughs) Somewhere in between. I like uh, that.
0: Yeah. I like that. I think maybe that's a good place. To...
1: Yeah, that's a
2: lot.
0: Yeah, that's a good place to close. Um, thank you very much for yeah. everything that you shared. And I
1: saw you all taking notes here.
0: <laughs> yeah. A <laughs> lot of like, things I...
1: that I didn't hear of that I don't know of that I want to research. We'll put those in the show notes too, because yeah. there's a ton of incredible yeah. sources that you shared as you were telling your story
0: yeah all um, the all the ph- all the philosophers and the quotes and um the it's Deco- it's Dakota. yeah Dakota, yeah um yeah i think that's awesome so oh is there anything else that you want to
4: I don't think so. No, yeah, just thanks, yeah, thanks, for, uh, thanks for doing this.
2: Yeah, thank you. I
4: needed this. I'll say this like going back to this therapy thing. No? Mm-hmm. If this was healthy for me to talk about because I've been stressing about a lot of stuff lately
1: and let, let
3: it go, let it go.
1: Right? <laughs> with, with people around you that can catch it and support. Yeah, and I didn't make too many jokes.
3: Damn. <laughs> <laughs> This wasn't really joking material, I suppose. We shared yeah. some laughs,
4: sure. Yeah, we did. Yeah. yeah. All right. One is better than none. All <laughs> right. Anyways.
0: No, no, you're good. All right. Well, thank you again, Chris. And uh, yeah, I think uh, that's it.
3: Yep.